If you've ever wondered what insanity sounds like, it's solo podcasting. Here you go. <laughs> You're tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. Lickitung never looked so stylish. Smelly is beautiful. Cliff is my dude. Reach for the stardust and more on this episode of GoCast. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the GoCast podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and this week I'm joined by, well, nobody. (laughs) You're probably wondering why this is out a day late, and that's uh, very much tied to why I'm joined by nobody today. We actually had a full recording last night with everybody that was supposed to be there, including Kyle and special guest Ken from the Lured Up podcast. Uh, We'll have to reschedule with Ken, but we had some audio technical issues and the audio that I was working with last night. I tried to recover bits and pieces of it, but it just didn't just didn't sound good. So didn't want to do that to you guys. Instead, I thought, hey, let's, you know, scrap this. We'll come back to it another time. We'll do it right. And tomorrow I'll just, you know, I'll do a solo show. I've been meaning to do one for a while. I think the last opportunity I had, we passed up for whatever reason. I don't even remember. But here we are. Solo show. Just me and you, listener. Uh, (laughs) We'll get through this together. I promise. I absolutely promise. Hopefully this isn't too bad for you. Before we get started here, I do want to give a shout out to our brand new patron, Justin, thank you so much for helping support the show. Your support means so very much you and everybody else that helps support this show uh, on Patreon. More about that at the end of the show. So before we dive in, uh, you know, to the news and all that good stuff, it is, of course, customary for us to check in for our goals. Uh, And while I don't have the audio in a presentable fashion from yesterday, I do remember what everybody had to say about goals and such like that. I took some notes, as I always do, so I can at least check in for both Kyle and myself. So for Kyle, last week, he wanted to go to his EX raid, get 200,000 Stardust, and then he had a Unova medal goal of 25. He ended up going to his EX raid. He got his 200,000 Stardust because, well, it was a Stardust event, of course. We didn't know at the time, but hey, he, uh, he achieved that goal. But he fell short of his Unova medal by just a little bit. Uh, he didn't get out and, and play as much as he really wanted to. So for my Unova goal, I had 26, and I I actually snagged that this week. I'm very, very happy about that. Still working on my starter evolutions, walking those guys for days on end. I also wanted to get to my EX raid. That didn't happen. I wanted to do whatever rocket stuff I thought might come out this week, but nothing came out. (laughs) Just more information, I suppose. So that's a no. And then I wanted to get my Sinister Cup team together and finalized. And that did happen. Very excited about that team, and we'll actually be talking more about the Sinister Cup later on in the PvP section. Yes, that's right, I'm going to do the entire show as normal, except for Gear Up and the one email that we have, because the one email that we had for this week is an excellent question from longtime listener and friend of the show, Rob, and we had such interesting conversation on the show last night. I'm just going to put it in next week's show, and we can kind of go over it again, because it's really fascinating, and I don't want to do that email wrong. So, speaking of not doing anything wrong, I guess I'll just stick to the to the rules here and just hop right into the news. 
first piece of news here is that, well, this is all speculative. This is all stuff that's been publicly posted by data miners and such. And actually, I pulled this information from the GoHub article that was covering it. Of course, the link will always be in the show notes. You can look for more details there. But the long and the short of it is that there's been lines of code that have been added mentioning Spiritomb in the special research titled A Spooky Message. If you don't know what Pokemon Spiritomb is... It is something that came out in a special research and was only obtainable through that last October because it's Halloween themed. It's a, it's a ghost Pokemon. It's a um, possessed tombstone. It's got like thousands of souls in it and stuff. It's really, really neat. And so it looks like the, the code has the title, A Spooky Message 2019. So if you missed out last year, it's looking like it's going to be available again this year. Uh, the only question that we had was we're not quite sure if people will be able to complete the quest a second time if they participated last year. But the unique tag for the 2019 i would bet that that would be the case that they should definitely be able to get a second one i mean they don't really gate you from having multiples friend of the show moo has like i think like six or seven or something like that he was just trading people for theirs that they didn't want so he's been collecting them so i guess that's one more for him <laughs> i'm really excited about this i think spiritomb is a wonderful pokemon i think it's very halloween and halloween is such a big pokemon holiday it's hard not to get excited about this. If you guys are excited, you know, maybe your first or even your second attempt at getting Spiritomb, you know, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. It's so cool to see uh, seasonal things like this come back and not just Deli Bird at Christmas, right? Second piece of news here. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, there's been some new details about the Team Rocket stuff. So we have new Team Rocket characters. We talked about them last week briefly because we had those leaked corrupted files that looked like they were off of like an older computer because they were on a unknown folder on Professor Willows. It's It was something else, right? And we got these like grainy images. We're like, oh, those look like three new characters and stuff like that. Well... In the loading screen that's been officially pushed to the game and now some profiles as well. We have their names and we have some high def images that we can start to extract some more speculative information about them. Again, none of this is confirmed, but I did pull all this again off of yet another GoHub article. So the big buff dude that I absolutely adore because I hope that he's goofy. Uh, his name is Cliff. He's got blue accents all over his clothing. Next up is Arlo. Arlo is the one that I've been referring lovingly to as glasses goggles. Kind of like a laid back sort of character, like in a big coat with big like gloves and stuff. But glasses, hair pulled back, the whole thing. There's red accents in Arlo's getup as well. So that's pretty interesting. And then Sierra is the female Team Rocket character that we saw who's got the really strong body language stance, kind of gives off a Candela vibe a little bit. She's sporting a yellow slash purple accent theme throughout her entire uniform, which leads us to kind of believe, well, the blue accents in Cliff, if you're going to subscribe to the whole foil, team leader foil theory, Cliff would be the mystic to Blanche, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then Arlo would be the foil to Candela, which is pretty interesting because Candela is known for really kind of being confident in your face, boisterous, passionate, right? And Arlo seems very laid back strategic almost it's kind of scouting around looking assessing the situation sort of character at least from what we can you know glean from again their body language and such and then sierra uh would be the foil to spark which is pretty cool because she's got this whole like very severe look about her that would really kind of counteract uh you know our favorite dabbing team leader 
spark. Uh, I'm really hoping that that they do some really cool things with these characters. But to be very honest with you, and I'm hoping that you guys are kind of on the same page with me because I've seen a lot of love for these characters all over the internet already. I just I'm I'm already in. You know, like they seem so promising. They seem so exciting. I'm so interested to see what goes on with this. But we'll get more into that later during the Poke Poll. Next piece of news to talk about here, the new Taipei City Safari Zone. I'm pulling this information from GoHub. Let's talk about this kind of like a retrospective because it definitely did happen this past weekend. It ran from October 3rd through the 5th. And because of that event, you might have noticed there was increased Oddish spawns globally. Also, Shiny Oddish was now available. How exciting. None of us got them. Kyle and I, neither of us got them. I asked Ness. She said, no, nope, mm -mm. nobody's got an Oddish. Oh, well. Here's the kind of postmortem, like the the point by point breakdown of the sort of things that happened. This is straight from the GoHub article. Servers were plagued with issues early on, with spawns not being visible to players on the ground. Apparently, restarting the game would fix the issue temporarily, with a permanent fix being deployed by Niantic later throughout the day. Last night, when we were talking about this with Ken, he was mentioning that the time frame was more around 40 minutes, uh, which is actually kind of an outlier because uh, previous to this, throughout the entire live event season over the summer, Niantic has been very good about quickly fixing those issues. But there was kind of a, a significant difference this time because the attendance for this event was out of control. Crazy, right? 327,000 trainers attended for a three-day event it was free admission. It was open to the public. That's more than 100,000 trainers attending per day. For some perspective and a sense of reference, Pokemon Go Fest Chicago this year was four days long and 60,000 trainers attended. So 15,000 a day, right? It's a fraction of what was going on here. So, I mean, if you want to look at the 40-minute time period as like, oh, no, they dropped the ball. I mean, sure, issues are a huge bummer, but only 40 minutes and that amount of cell traffic? Holy cow. Anyway, that's not it. This this next point on top of it was probably kind of frustrating for some folks. The weather was hot and humid. Phones were overheating and throttling under the Taiwanese sun. I love how poetic that point is. Giant inflatables were scattered throughout the park, including inflatable Pikachu. How wonderful. The unknown letters that were available at this safari zone were N-A-S-T-I-R-F-C-P. Uh, the letters would spell out Safari N-T-C-P. That's standing for every syllable in New Taipei City, right? So N-T-P-C, in addition to the letters spelling out Safari. That's a wide variety of unknown to pick. So, hey, that sounds like fun for them. The shiny otter spawn rates were good, but not excellent, this GoHub article has to say. It seemed to be on par with other Safari Zone and GoFest spawns, which, I mean, in my opinion... That seemed excellent to me. I was loving the spawns at GoFest. But to kind of go back to that whole lots of trainers attended sort of thing, kind of more on Taiwan, here's a quote. The game is very popular in Taiwan, which has one of the highest percentages of players in the world. And that was from the senior director of product marketing at Niantic, Hikaru Rei Adachi. Kind of interesting to hear the, you know, that they, they point out Taiwan as one of the high traffic spots. I think Singapore is definitely another one. Oh, we were talking on the show last night. We couldn't imagine Japan wasn't also on that list. Hey, if anybody out there has access to that data, I'm fascinated to take a look at it. Just uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> but probably the most exciting piece of news here is that there was a Stardust Blast event this past week. It started on the 3rd and it's ending, uh, well, today, by the time you're listening to this episode, October 10th at 1 p.m. PDT. Features include, slash included, I suppose, it's in the past, 
two times hatch Stardust, two times catch Stardust, two times Stardust from Team Go Rocket Battles, and guaranteed 2,000 Stardust from Raids. So pretty much double everything across the board. As somebody that does not mind obtaining incubators, regardless of how poor the boxes may be, the two times hatch Stardust has been magnifique. My goodness, I've been such a fan. I know that Kyle was saying that he was able to snag like 250 to 300,000 Stardust, even with his semi-casual play this past week. So that's really exciting. And I just, I really wish we had more Stardust events. <laughs> I really do. I understand why we don't, because it's a premium. And that's why it's so exciting when it rolls it around. It's just, I'm always so sad at the end of Stardust events. I just want to hang out and, and, and farm somewhere. But alas, not this go around. I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunities in the future. Speaking of boxes, we did get some new boxes for October. Three new ones, to be exact. I'm pulling this information from a GoHub article who did a nice little breakdown. In the special box, you're looking at one raid pass, three super incubators, and two star pieces. In the world of special boxes, it's really not that bad. It's actually pretty good. Star pieces are very valuable. In the ultra box, you're looking at 15 raid passes, five super incubators, four star pieces, and four lure modules. Again, star pieces are probably taking away a little bit of value from the other aspects of that box. You know, 15 raid passes is good, but you know, everybody's always looking for more. And then in the adventure box, you're looking at 12 super incubators, four star pieces, two regular incubators, and four lure modules. Again, star pieces. I mean, 12 super incubators is a little low for the adventure box as far as value goes, but I still picked one up because I really wanted the star pieces and I, I'm getting a lot of value out of that box. So I hope that these appeal to you in some way. And if not, hey, hang on to them. I mean, Halloween's around the corner. Maybe we'll get an awesome event box that'll just fit your needs. Who knows? I guess we'll have to see. Let's dive into a little bit of styling news here. This is from PokemonGoLive.com. Original Stitches Pokemon shirts come to Pokemon Go. There will be four shirt patterns in all. A Vileplume pattern, a Lickitung pattern, a Magikarp pattern, and a Snorlax pattern. These are all live in the shop. They run for 200 coins in the shop apiece. Uh, and I'm absolutely in love with the Lickitung. <laughs> Lickitung shirt is just so great. Uh, I mean, that being said, the Vileplume shirt is also absolutely amazing. They're just all really, really great. Last night, Kyle and Ken both had to say that they loved the Magikarp shirt. Seeing these in the image is probably the first time that I've thought about visiting the actual physical website to buy myself a real life shirt like this. And according to Ken, who's taking a look at it, I dare not do that because I don't want to be $300, you know, poorer because <laughs> I'll just spend so much money. Oh my goodness. You can actually go and you can customize the fit, the style and the pattern to a degree. And some of like the colors, like the, the cuff and the collar and all that. So it, it is kind of like an upscale deal. So if you're going to be attending a lot of formal Pokemon events, give Original Stitch a visit. You should do that. Absolutely. Ready for some more speculation to finish out the news section? I sure ran. So a little bit more on that global event ticket item that was found in some files last week we talked about from another speculative data mine. Again, none of this is confirmed, just a reminder. Data miners have found a new image hidden in the game files featuring the three legendary golems, Regirock, Registeel, and Regice, our three favorite legendary Pokemon. They have not been shiny yet, so we were due anyway. Aside from that, it's kind of like 
speculation here, but you know, this is under the assumption that the a colossal discovery means Reggie Gigas, right? We're not sure about that yet, but you know, we found this image. The global event ticket has now actually been added to the game master, and some details have been kind of sussed out from that, like a start time, end time. It's been all over the internet. We, we talked about it last week to a degree. Uh, but it kind of looks like these two are, are, you know, related in some way at the very least. My money is definitely on November 2nd. That event, that ticketed event is probably going to be for Reggie Gigas. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. Um, I'd love to be proven wrong, actually. And, and something else ex- more exciting happened than that. That'd be really cool. But at the same time, uh, I think this might be a fun way to do Reggie Gigas. Uh, so here's to that here's to hoping you know (laughs) all right and then here's a quick little reminder before we get on to the rest of the show don't forget that Trappinch Community Day is this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. local time. And breaking news today that we didn't have last night, so I guess this is the silver lining of recording a day late and on my own. <laughs> Earth Power was announced to be the exclusive move for Flygon. If you evolve into Flygon during the window of the Community Day, and I believe up to an hour afterwards as well, Earth Power, if you're unfamiliar makes Flygon, as far as DPS goes, for the available Pokemon, like 5th or 6th best in DPS. And it gives them kind of an edge in PvP, but not very much. If you're looking for utility and you're looking to flex a Flygon in PvP, just know that Earth Power, you know, runs on like a chance. It's like an ominous wind for a Drifblim. You you know, it's like a 10% chance or whatever. So you're kind of rolling the dice if it's if it triggers the stat debuff on your opponent that's awesome but if it doesn't you're kind of out on value for your energy but that's up to you i think the possibilities and the options always make for a more interesting pvp candidate personally i'm really excited about trap Inch community day i know not a lot of people are very thrilled uh, but i i actually really like trap Inch a lot okay to be fair it's not Trap Inch that I like a lot. I really like Flygon. I think he's a really well-designed Pokemon. Ground Dragon, so cool. He looks like he's got bubbles over his eyes. Like, <laughs> he's got, like, avi- like aviation goggles on. They're, like, <laughs> built into his face. What's not to love about that? I don't know. Hey, but the, the shiny looks sharp. And I can't wait to hear about everybody's success. I'm getting hundreds of shinies. That'll be great. Uh, So we'll talk more about shinies and shining goals at the end of the show as well. All right, we're going to skip over Gear Up because it's a good one. And I want to make sure that Kyle has an opportunity to really talk it through because I learned quite a bit from him. And I'm not going to tease it or anything because we're just going to leave it probably for next week. That'll be good. So moving right along to the Pokalore. This week, we're going to be talking about four Pokemon, Oddish and Gloom, the Weed Pokemon, and Vileplume and Blossom, the Flower Pokemon. Oddish first, of course. A nocturnal Pokemon, Oddish buries its sensitive body in the ground during the day to avoid the sun and fool predators. If its leaves are pulled up in this state, it will respond by shrieking horribly. Much like, like we talked about last night, the Mandrake root from Harry Potter. Some serious vibes from there. It starts to move when its leaves begin absorbing moonlight, which it uses to grow. Oddish will wander up to 1,000 feet, or 300 meters, during the night to scatter its seeds and find a nutrient-rich patch of soil in which to plant itself. The more fertile the earth, the glossier its leaves will be. It is thought that its feet become like tree roots while planted. You know, you'd think that that would be an easy one to prove, right? I mean, uh, Professor Oak could literally just go outside and probably take a look in his garden and confirm if the... 
feeder roots. That's that's asking a lot of Professor Oak. He's getting on an H, you know. <laughs> Next up is Gloom. Gloom trickles sticky nectar from its mouth with the appearance and consistency of drool. This can be used as a fertilizer for plants. Both its nectar and the flower on Gloom's head release a foul odor strong enough to induce fainting in humans over a mile or 1.6 kilometers away. However, it can also attract prey and even a very small number of humans find it pleasing. This odor is a key ingredient for some perfume production. There's an anime episode actually all about that, which is pretty cool. When it is in danger, the odor worsens, but will not emit its odor if it feels safe. Next up is Vileplume. Vileplume's flower is said to have the largest petals in the world and is almost too heavy for the Pokemon itself to support. The rounded petals of the flower are red and covered with white spots. A female Vileplume has fewer but larger spots on its petals. It can shake, flap, or burst its petals into bloom with a bang in order to release clouds of pollen. This pollen is highly allergenic to humans and toxic to other Pokemon. Vileplume uses it to paralyze its prey. Wow. It can also utilize these petals in its former signature move, Petal Dance. Being the result of evolution via evolutionary stone, Vileplume is rarely found in the wild, though they can be found in grassy plains. It is often mistaken for local flowers in the wild. Probably because it's just a big flower. Yes. You know, it isn't a big flower, though. Actually, and that's not too true of me to say, but Blossom is next. Blossom is a primarily green Pokemon with circular blue eyes and red markings on its cheeks. It's adorable. Let's just be honest with ourselves. It has two bright red flowers on its head and green and yellow leaves around its waist that resemble a skirt, all adding to the appearance of a hula dancer. Blossom's petals are said to be more beautiful the worse the gloom it evolved from smelled. I love that. Some service to smelly glooms out there. When it rubs the petals on its head together, it creates a pleasing sound. Interesting. Blossom does not possess feet. In the anime, its centermost leaves bent as it was getting ready to spring, suggesting that it uses its leaves as substitutes for feet or legs. However, the Pokedex does classify it as a biped. Blossom is often seen dancing and chanting. In particular, Blossom dances when cloudy weather persists or when the heavy rainfall season ends and it is drawn out by the warm sunlight. Being the result of evolution via evolutionary stone, much like Vileplume, Blossom is rarely found in the wild, though they can also be found in grassy plains. Very cool. So while these Pokemon are pretty interesting, right? I mean, uh, especially for Gen 1 Pokemon, I like how much thought and care was put into the Oddish, Gloom, and Vileplume line. And then Blossom was a very welcome addition. It was one of the first Pokemon to really kind of showcase the split evolution mechanic. So that's really interesting. But alas, the stats for these Pokemon are less exciting and less endearing than the Pokemon themselves. Let's talk about Vileplume. Max CP of 2559. Oi. Middling to poor stats with 202 attack, 167 defense, and 181 stamina. Really not impressing anybody with those. Best move sets. Since it is grass and poison, it has move sets for both. Actually, it's got a pretty interesting move pool. If you're going to have it as a grass DPS attacker or whatever, Razor Leaf and Solar Beam is the winning matchup you want there. And actually, if you're going to use it for anything, maybe make it a poison attacker because there's not very many spectacular ones aside from, you know, Roserade and such. But you can do Acid and Sludge Bomb. Those are just as viable as its grass move set if you're talking about just flat DPS. Although, again, to be very honest with you, if you're looking for DPS, maybe don't bring Vileplume. 
Yeah. Okay, so Blossom is next here. And I kind of really want Blossom to be better. But unfortunately, it just isn't. It's actually slightly worse. Max CP of 2281. It's only a grass type. It doesn't, it's single type, so no, no dual typing there with the poison. Slightly worse stats than Vileplume with 169 attack, 186 defense, and 181 stamina. Best move set, because again, if it's monotyping, Razor Leaf and Leaf Blade. And that's about it. So my recommendation and our recommendation as a show and as an entity... <laughs> Don't power these up for DPS. You're going to be disappointed. But if you want to power one up anyway because you love them, you know, I'm not going to judge you for that because they're pretty rad Pokemon. Let's talk a little bit more about rad Pokemon in the PvP section for this week. Last week, I promised you guys a Sinister Cup meta breakdown, and Game Press has an excellent guide that I'm here to interpret for you and give you some highlights and some of my opinion as well from my hands-on experience with a few of these Pokemon. If you want a link to the full analysis and guide that they put together, it will of course be in the show notes. The interesting thing about the Sinister Cup is that its meta is a little bit complicated. There's four typings, right? Fighting, Ghost, Psychic, and Steel. And in the past, there's been one or two typing in the typing-like combination that has had, you know, an anchor Pokemon and then like an off meta. And the rest were just like, this is DPS, this is an answer. But within every single typing of this cup, there is more than other cups for sure of uh, variety. Every single one has like a, an off meta pick, a surprise pick, an answer, an anchor, uh, everything, right? So let's break it down. The first typing will be Ghosts. Alolan Marowak is awesome now with Fire Spin added. Bring it with Fire Spinner Hex uh, and Shadow Ball and Bone Club. Just get some really nice type coverage there. We talked about Driftblim earlier. And in this case, Driftblim is actually fantastic because it's not only got Ominous Wind, which you should bring with Shadow Ball and have Hex as your quick move, all three ghost attacks. It's a huge wall. It's a big, beefy guy. And if you actually get a proc off with Ominous Wind, It'll be more than painful for your opponent to deal with, which is, you know, always fun, right? Dusclops is next. Bring Hex or Faint Attack for a quick move. And then Shadow Punch and Fire Punch for some of that type variation. If, you know, they put in like a, a Steelix and you're like, well, bam, here's some fire right in your face from my fist. You could do that. You can bring a Haunter if it's got Shadow Claw and then Shadow Ball, the Legacy Charge move, and Shadow Punch. You can still bring Haunter, but Legacy Haunter is really the reason that this is being highlighted at all, to be very honest. Banette is also viable with Shadow Claw, Shadow Ball, and Thunder. It's the Thunder, if we're being very honest here. Frostlass with Powder Snow, or Hex is a quick move, and then Avalanche and Shadow Ball. Again, it's bringing some ice in there, right? Like, do you see what I'm saying already about it being really heavy duty with every single type? It's interesting, but that's it for ghosts in the steel category. First up is the guy who got a new move, Steelix. You want to bring him with Dragon Tail or Thunderfang. I would suggest Thunderfang because it makes him really good just in flat DPS, even if he's not really just trading for typing or whatever. You can bring those moves, either of those if you really want to, along with Crunch and Earthquake. Now, the interesting thing with Steelix, all four of his moves, none of them get stabbed for him. So, yeah, you see where I'm going with this? It's more about the options. It's more about the variability, the flexibility of this Pokemon. Steelix is really great. Bastiodon, of course, you can't talk about Steel types or Rock types in PvP without talking about Bastiodon. Smackdown and Stone Edge and Flamethrower. That's what you want to bring. Probopass, Spark, Rock Slide, and Thunderbolt. We've talked about Probopass in the past. It's kind of like an interesting option to Bastiodon with some electric typing kind of sprinkled in there. 
Empoleon. This is an interesting one. It comes with waterfall, flash cannon, and hydro pump. That's water, steel, water. Yes, Empoleon is steel typing. Uh, I know a lot of people are not super familiar with that Pokemon because it's, kind of, it's kind of a weird dual typing, especially for uh, a starter, but here we are. And because of that flexibility and that strange kind of out of left uh, field <laughs> steel typing there, it, it does make it a very valid option in this meta. Next is Mawile. Mawile did get a significant uh, buff with Power Up Punch and that being added to its move pool. You're going to want to bring Bite, Power Up Punch, and Play Rough on Mawile. For the fighting typing, the previously crowned king of this meta, Polyrath, before some interesting things happened with Power Up Punch getting you know, uh, a debuff here. Uh, you wanted to bring Bubble and Power Up Punch and Ice Punch or Hydro Pump or... You could bring Bubble, Dynamic Punch, and Ice Punch. Or, if you have the Legacy Move Mud Shot, you can bring that with Dynamic Punch and Hydro Pump as well. Or, of course, you can change all these things up if you really wanted to. Don't be afraid to bring Polyrath if you don't have the Legacy Mud Shot move. Bubble is still really, really quite good. And in some instances, in some matchups, it's just as good, if not better. Metacham is next. Metacham is always talked about if you're in a if you're gonna bring fighting typing into your cup. Uh, you're gonna bring counter power up punch or dynamic punch and psychic or ice punch. Uh, Lucario, anytime you talk about Metacham, you gotta talk about my boy Lucario. Counter and power up punch and shadow ball, straight, clean cut, straightforward. You know exactly what to do with Lucario, what to bring on him, what he's gonna do. It's always a safe addition. And if you want to bring Primeape or Machamp. You can do so, but really, it's only viable if you got the Legacy Cross Chop move in. If you don't, I can't in good conscience say bring them to the bring them to the fight because uh, they're not gonna do so well. <laughs> Psychic typing, Cresselia. Bring Cresselia with Confusion, Future Sight, and Moon Blast. Get that Fairy typing in there. Bronzong. Bronzong is so cool because it's gonna bring Confusion, Psy Shock, and it's gonna have Bulldoze, a ground move to really kind of shake things up. Ha <laughs> ha. See what I did there? All right, Claydol, Confusion and Earth Power and Psychic or Earthquake as well. Lots of options on Claydol. Gallade, which is actually my favorite addition in this whole set right here for the Psychic typing at the very least. Uh, Gallade, bring Confusion and Leaf Blade in close combat. That Leaf Blade caught me off guard one time. And since then, I've had just so much respect for Gallade because <laughs> it, it did me real dirty one time. I just it, like took out one of my Pokemon in like one fell swoop. It was... Wow, okay. And then Girafferig. What? Girafferig? Yes, bring Confusion, Thunderbolt, and Psychic. The reason that you're bringing this guy is because Psychic got a pretty big buff, and that makes Girafferig pretty okay. Gardevoir with Charm, Synchronoise, if you have it from the Community Day, or Psychic, and Shadow Ball. Lugia. Yes, Lugia is Psychic typing. Dragon Tail and Sky Attack and Hydro Pump. No psychic attack on him for this cup, but the other types of moves on Lugia, like I said, dragon type, a flying type, and a water type move, bring a lot of options to the table, along with it just being kind of tanky. And last but not least, something we're going to mention as a highlight, Alolan Raichu. Now with the addition of Thundershock as a quick move, Thundershock, Thunder Punch, and Wild Charge for its full move set makes it quite the electric type attacker with lots of options getting the most in before your Alolan Raichu gets knocked out. So for myself, what I've got 
bring it into my sinister cup for our pvp group in the patreon uh please cover your ears those that participate uh, i don't want you to know what i have actually you'll probably just see it because that's how self arena works <laughs> uh, i'm bringing a bronzong a bastiodon a steelix because that thunderfang it's hard not to you know a alolan marowak who in some uh you know test battles with moo uh, didn't do so well i think i'm not using him correctly uh mawile because why not and a polyrath i got myself one of them bubble polyraths and i'm pretty thrilled with what polyrath has been able to do so far so excited to try out this team in the sinister cup uh this month for those of you that are participating in sinister cup yourself i hope that this guide and some of these highlights give you at least some inspiration some starting points of how to build your team and again, if you really want to dive into some really deep analysis and looking at more options than just the one we listed out here today, I would recommend you go to the show notes and follow the link to the Game Press Guide. It's, it's wonderful. It's in-depth. You'll find all of your questions answered there. Okay, we're almost done here, folks. Bear with me. Last thing to talk about today before we get out of here, do some goals and all that, Pokepole. Last week's question, how do you feel about Niantic adjusting existing Pokemon moves? Sheldon had to say they needed to. It's already a top-heavy game with just a few go-to Pokemon, and it would be nice if the moves reflected what's in-game. Like, Earthquake should be the best ground-type move, but it's just so bad in this game. And just a few other tweaks like that. Sure, some strong Pokemon get stronger, but will really boost up some others so there's not as big of a gap. Yes, I think that's an awesome awesome point a lot of people are echoing similar things throughout these throughout these responses here let's see if you can pick them out justin said i'm okay if it creates balance or gives an edge to lesser used mons again kind of closing the gap on pokemon that were weak in the past and you know some of the ones that were cream of the crop forever and ever and ever alteria ego said buffs slash nerfs are essential to any competitive game Otherwise, the meta becomes stale and played out. The bad part about Pokemon Go's system is that meta-slash-buff movesets become unobtainable. And this feels bad because not everyone can play-slash-use the flavor of the month Mons. True. Fair enough point. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating when some of the community day moves you really can't acquire on your own, or maybe a lot of people aren't willing to trade them, uh, become very useful. Like, so if uh, Gallade with Synchronoise was like a thing that was really, really sought after, it'd be kind of a bummer uh, now. Blitz Olsen had to say, I like it. It gives dismissed Pokemon that had no place a chance to be good. Uh-huh. Very much agreed. Victor had to say, I'm okay with them adjusting the moves. It causes a player base to adjust strategies whenever they do this. For PvE and PvP players, the battles won't get boring. Also, this already does happen in the PTCG, Pokemon Trading Card Game, where the World Championships are played in the next year's standard format. Now, this kind of caught us off guard when we were recording yesterday, but Ken has some inside information on the Pokemon Trading Card Game because one of his co-hosts, Adam, is like super, super into it. So this past year, they did something a little bit weird uh, where they changed the format for the championships, like the World Finals, the day before Worlds started. So you had to like... Go get new cards and play with brand new decks you didn't play with the entire season right before the tournament. And it kind of like got a lot of people talking, which was kind of the point, I think. What a, what a weird move, but I don't know. That's, uh, wow. <laughs> not, not my world, uh, but it's so fascinating. Rob wrote in and said, some moves need to be adjusted. For example, one hit KO moves need to be changed. If we could one hit KO raid bosses, then raiding would become 
just redundant and, and basically pointless. Uh, everyone would just run six Pokemon with one hit KOs for the chance it would happen. I, I don't think they're going to do that. I'm, I'm really hoping that they, they don't ever put one hit KO moves in this game like Fissure or something else like that. Julie said, I think I'm just used to it from years of playing WoW. I've had to relearn how to play my mains in that game so many times because they've reworked the way moves work, removed moves, added moves, completely changed moves, but kept the same names for them. Reworked talent trees, removed talent trees, added mechanics that completely changed how a class plays. So a little bit of buffing or nerfing moves in Pokemon Go just doesn't phase me. I think it's a good way for games like MMOs that are intended to be played for years to keep their longevity. Minor short-term annoyance for long-term good. Uh, we couldn't agree more. Last night we were talking a little bit about the uh, CP balance, rebalance they did a little bit ago, um, about how everybody was really upset about, you know, their blissies were a lot weaker now, and everybody was also a little bit happy the champs got a little bit of buff and stuff like that. And a few weeks later, nobody was really talking about it. And if we're being very honest with ourselves, I really feel like it was super beneficial to the health of the game. It really brought up... It really brought some quality of life changes and accessibility, you know, closed that gap we were talking about earlier. Uh, and I think it was just an overall positive change. And, and, and the three of us really kind of agreed on that last night. Uh, so this week's Pokeball question, how do you think the new Team Go Rocket leaders, quote, will be implemented? So we all kind of had some interesting things to say about this, but we kind of set on you know we're really hoping that they'll be implemented as you know gym leaders if the insect rocket stops they become rocket gyms and we have to you know play against them maybe it'd be interesting if they did something a little different if they didn't just fight the same way as grunts or something like that it'll be really welcome to see some variability in uh these npc encounters because yes the rocket stops are difficult if you just go in blind but if you know what you're doing and do a little bit of research on it, you can pretty much knock them out every single time. So it'd be interesting to see if maybe these gyms get taken over by Team Rocket or Rocket Raids or something like that. Uh, anyway, I want to hear what you guys have to say next week. So please respond to the Pokeball question. How do you think the new Team Go Rocket leaders will be implemented uh, on Facebook or Twitter when we post the question shortly after this show will go live? Or you can also send us an email to mail at Podcast. Dot com. And speaking of emails, we'll read it next week. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wrap it up here. Here's where you can reach us and find us and all that good stuff. Like I said, just moments before, you can email us at mail at gocastpodcast.com. You can uh, go to our website at gocastpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at gocastpodcast. Like us on Facebook. Just look for the Gocast Podcast on there. You'll find us, I promise. And if you want to help support the show and gain access to our patron-exclusive Discord for as little as $1 a month, you can go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash GoCastPodcast. Our Discord is comprised of an awesome group of people, really passionate. Everybody's been so active lately, and we've been doing these remote PvP tournaments. We've been getting everybody friended up and stuff like that the past couple of months, and we've been really trying to get as much PvP in now, and it's been awesome. It's been really, really fun. So shout out to all of you that have joined, and uh, we're looking forward to maybe seeing you in there, dear listeners, sometime. Okay, goal time. Really quick, before we get out of here, just just, just some goals. You, you know the drill. You know the, the horn drill, uh, speaking of one-hit KO moves. <laughs> okay, so goals for this next week. Kyle and I both set them. Uh, Kyle wants to get at least six shiny trap inch. He wants to get to 25 in his Unova medal, so he wants to get one more at the very least. 200,000 Stardust, and he wants to work on his Sinister Cup team. I'm really hoping that he puts a Sinister Cup team together so that we can spar. 
That'd be really great. For myself, greater than or equal to 10 trap inch as per usual. 200,000 Stardust, which should be pretty easy with the tail end of the Stardust event today. And I want to hit 30 of my Unova medal. Not quite sure if that's going to happen, but uh, but hey, here's to hoping. Okay, thank you guys so much. If you listen through all the way to the end here of this solo show, you're the real champion here. I, I love you to death. Thank you so much for doing so. And uh, we'll be back next week with a full show with Kyle and I, episode 67. Uh, and I guess we'll see you then. Oh, 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 oh. There's going to be a very special interview coming out tomorrow. And I'm really, really, really excited to share it with you guys. Cannot wait to do so. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, see you guys later. Bye-bye.